Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and I'm a PT assistant. If you are listening to this podcast audio or watching it on the main YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe to the Bob and Brad podcast channel. There is an S at the end of podcast. Today, our guest is Rick Olderman, who is a physical therapist and the author of the Fixing You book series. Today, we're going to be talking about sciatica, plantar fasciitis, and neck pain. We're just doing loads of stuff and tons of good information. So without further ado, here's Rick. Well, welcome back to the program, Rick. Thank you. Happy to be here. So our first topic of discussion is sciatica. So can you explain what sciatica is and possibly give us two exercises you would recommend for it? Oh, sure. I'd love to. So sciatica is basically a nerve or radicular pain that runs down, usually the back of the leg and go all the way to the foot. Sometimes it goes just to the butt and it just feels like this nagging chronic pain. And the sciatic nerve is comprised of nerve roots that exit the lower uh, lumbar vertebra and the sacral area. And they all, all these roots come together to form one sciatic nerve that passes through the back of the hip and then uh, basically branches off as it goes down the leg to supply all the muscles down there. So there are usually two things that are causing sciatic pain uh, and they can happen both at the same time too. So one of them is what I call an extension problem, which means that there's too much arch in the back. And it's not so much that there's too much arch in the back, it's that there are too many forces trying to pull the back into that arch. So uh, you can test this in yourself first. If you just lie down with the legs straight for 30 seconds and then bend your knees for 30 seconds, if your back feels better when your knees are bent, it means that you have too much arch in your back or too, much, too many forces trying to pull your back into an arch. So the first exercise I'm going to give you for sciatica is that one of the major stressors creating that excessive arching in the, in the back is actually coming from the thigh muscles in the front. So we have really huge thigh muscles and they start down here at the knee and they attach into the pelvic bone right here. Right now I'm pointing to the, to the front of the skeleton. And so when those muscles get tight, they tend to tilt that pelvis forward. Or if the pelvis doesn't actually move, it's a force trying to tilt the pelvis forward. And then that is felt in the vertebra back here. And arching of the spine increases compression in the spine. So usually this is one of my big deals is uh, for sciatica is to stretch these guys out. And usually the side of the leg that you're feeling the sciatica in, that side's thigh muscles will be tighter than the other side. And so you'll want to spend a little bit more time stretching that sciatic pain side rather than the other side. And I have this stretch in my book. I also have it in my home programs. But basically, what you're going to do is you're going to lie on a table like this. You're going to bring both knees up to your chest. You're going to hold on to one knee with your hands. And then you're going to lower the other leg over the edge of the table. And this knee up here is stabilizing your back so it doesn't go into an arch. So you want to be, be sure that you're holding that really securely. All right. And then the other leg is basically when it's dropping down like this over the edge of the table, it's stretching all of that thigh muscle out. This is the safest way I find to stretch the thigh muscle because it's the best way to control the back and the pelvis while you're trying to stretch those thigh muscles. The second exercise or the second pattern that's causing sciatic pain is something I call a side bending problem. And that means that the pelvis is sitting higher on one side and the rib cage is sitting lower. And as you can imagine, that's going to create more compression here on this side of the spine. And you can see this in yourself. If you take your shirt off and have someone take a picture of your back, 
Usually a person who has an older side, uh, side bending problem will have a bigger crease on that side bending side than the other side. All right. So why does this happen? It's usually because of some older injury in the leg uh, in the same side of the pelvis that's higher. That leg will have some older injury that you've been compensating for. And the brain does this by hiking that pelvis up. All right. So aside from understanding and fixing that older injury, that's the that's the first thing I would say the most important thing to do to get this to go away permanently is to fix whatever old injuries you have over there. But the easiest way to to level the pelvis and the rib cage is simply let's say it was my left side. I'm going to put my left arm up in the air. And if you take about 10 to 20 steps, you will have leveled your pelvis and rib cage just by doing that. Because this whole pattern is coming because of how you're walking, typically. And so this is a way to force your body to walk correctly on that side that the side bending problem is, has uh, occurred on. And then as you get better, you'll, you can do the hand above your head less and less as you learn to walk more correctly on that leg. So those would be the two um, easiest ways to sol start solving the sciatic pain that, that I usually give for most of my patients. So I actually have an elevated pelvis on one side we discovered because I was getting some lateral hip pain, but I have not tried that walking thing. I need to try that. It's a miracle cure. I'm telling you in five or 10 steps, it levels the pelvis and rib cage. Why? Because the pelvis and rib cage are responding to your gait pattern. And, and ultimately you're going to have to really more deeply fix that gait pattern and including the injuries in your leg. But your brain is causing all of this to hike up unconsciously because it's trying to get off of that old injury that you think is resolved. Huh. I've, I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add about sciatica before we switch subjects? Or? Well, uh, along with sciatica, this works really well for SI joint pain too. Uh, because as you can imagine, if we have one side of the thigh muscles that's tighter than the other, then what that's going to do is it's going to pull on one side more than the other, which then creates a rotational force across the pelvis, right? And that creates shear across these SI joints. So this is what I, I mean by when you start to understand things from a systems point of view, one solution can solve many problems because the manifestation, whether you have back pain, sciatic pain, SI joint pain, it could be all caused by the same pattern of problems in three different people. That just, it, the pattern just manifests as back pain or sciatic pain or SI joint pain based on their genetics, their work history, their exercise history, old injuries and things like that. But it's all usually the same pattern of dysfunction that's occurring in all of these types of diagnoses. Huh? Yeah, I need to, I've been working on this problem, but maybe I need to try your methods. I could definitely help you. No problem. <laughs> it's, it'll be much easier and faster than you think, Mike. Okay. So, and, and this is the, I guess this would be another thing is a lot of people like you have been wrestling with these chronic problems for a long time because they've been approaching it from a component thinking standpoint. Hip pain means there's a problem in the hip. Sciatic pain means that there's a problem in the back. SI joint me pain means there's a problem in the SI, SI joint. This is why it's taking so long for you to try and solve these things is because you're looking at just a too small of an area. Once you understand how all of this whole system fits together from foot to rib cage, you can solve pain so much more quickly and completely and from a longer term perspective. 
because you're fixing the system that's causing all of these vulnerabilities. It's much faster and easier than you think. So if people wanted to find this specific stuff in one of your books, which book should they get? Well, this is all this information is located in my back and sciatic pain book. However, those were written about 10 or 12 years ago. And since then, I've owned my own clinic for about 10 years. And I've really learned to hone because in my back and sciatic pain book, we ha I have about 80 exercises in there. It's way too much. I'm trying to solve every little thing in everybody's body, right? But what I've learned from my clinic is that, no, I, we can make this really simple. And I've honed down the exercises to solve these kinds of problems into just a few simple things to do. And so that's what my home programs are. You can find those at rickolderman.com. Perfect. Uh, any last words on sciatica pain or anything? No. Uh, you know, I, I, I would only say that if you've been wrestling with sciatica for a long time, it only means that you haven't had the right information yet. I can almost guarantee that you can, you can beat this thing. Uh, I mean, sciatica is one of the easiest things to correct in my clinic, back pain, SI joint pain, all of these things, because we understand these, the way these things work. And we're not trained to look at this this way as practitioners. And this is why you're struggling. All right. Now we're going to switch on to the subject of plantar fasciitis. So what are some of your tips and tricks for treating it? And maybe explain what plantar fasciitis is to some people. Sure. So plantar fasciitis is used, often felt as a burning sensation on the bottom of the foot, especially those first few steps in the morning. People are feeling like a tearing kind of feeling happening down there. And then it'll go away, and then maybe in the afternoon it'll, it'll you'll, they'll start to develop a little ache, and then or maybe that just goes away too. But then the next morning it comes back, and it tends to get progressively worse and worse until they can't seem to get 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 it to go away. A lot of people have tried, you know, uh, steroid injections and all sorts of things in their in their feet, and it just hasn't helped or only helped temporarily. So again, this comes down to understanding what's going on from a systems standpoint. So you've probably, if you've had plantar fasciitis, you've probably been told, hey, you need to stretch your calf and soleus muscles. And so you stretch your calf and soleus muscles, but the next morning they're tight again and you have your plantar fasciitis and you can stretch all day long and they would be tight again the next day. And this happened to me as a physical therapist too. I was scratching my head and I was like, what is going on here that these calf muscles keep getting tight again? And then I finally realized it's because of how we're sleeping. So most people, when they sleep, their feet are pointed, let's see, their feet are pointed away from them like this, instead of in a neutral position like this. So if you sleep on your stomach, the bed's going to push that away. And if you sleep on your side, you'll notice that typically you point your feet downward. And then if you sleep on your back, the covers are pointing the foot down like this. So you have six to eight hours of calf and soleus shortening occurring during the night. And so then you wake up in the morning and lo and behold, your calf muscle is tight again. And when you try to step on that and your knee is passing over the foot, because it's so tight, all that force of your body moving forward is going down into the arch and tearing that plantar fascia and irritating it and hurting it again. The solution is to solve, is to lengthen the calf and soleus, but you'll never do it by stretching. So I use something called a dorsal night splint that you can find commonly on Amazon. And uh, if you order one of these things, uh, what it's going to do is hold your foot into, into a neutral position while you sleep at night and not allow it to point away and the calf and soleus to shorten. Usually within a week or so, the plantar fasciitis will go away because you've solved the length 
issue of the calf and soleus complex. Now, some people, this is just a passive shortening of the of the muscles, but there are others who are actively contracting their calf and soleus muscles at night while they're sleeping. These are the t more of the, the tense people, right? And so they're going to especially hate wearing a dorsal night split because they're going to be actively pushing against it. And it's going to create all of this burning and discomfort in the calf and soleus muscle. Well, you know what? You've got to break that habit because that's what's ultimately causing the calf and the plantar fasciitis in the first place. So bear with it. Uh, what I often tell people what to do is, especially if you get up in the middle of the night to go pee, just put on the dorsal night splint for the second half of the night instead of the whole night and, and start that way to start weaning yourself onto this thing. Once your pain goes away, you can start weaning yourself off the dorsal night splint too. You don't have to wear it seven nights a week for the rest of your life, just as, long, as much as you need it. So that would be the, the, one of the first things. And that's really, that's where the rubber hits the road. That solves most people's plantar fasciitis. So then we have to look at what the second thing is, why is the calf and soleus becoming tight? So the calf and soleus is often becoming tight because we are locking the knees straight when we're standing and walking. So when the knees are locked backwards, it shortens the calf and soleus muscle causing tightness there. So breaking this nasty little habit of locking your knees whenever you're standing and walking will go a huge way to solving your plantar fasciitis and helping it to never return again. So those are, uh, those are the, the two uh, things that are easy to do at home. And then in my home program that I've developed for, for uh, foot and ankle pain, I show a third way because a lot of people, their, foot, their feet collapse too easily. The bones are too loose and so forth. They have flat feet or there's too many forces trying to push down their foot. And so they need a little bit of help. And I've developed a very effective taping technique that uh, lifts the arch. It's unique. It's not found anywhere else. And what it's designed to do is offset the spiraling force that's traveling down into the foot that is causing the foot to flatten and therefore uh, irritate the plantar fascia. So if the other two things are working, but not quite all the way, you might need a little bit of extra support from a taping technique to support the foot arch more uh, precisely while you're solving these other problems. And usually, I mean, taping the foot arch up usually solves the pain almost immediately right off the bat. And then as we solve these other things, we wean the tape off of, uh, wean the tape from the, from the patient. So you won't, again, it's like the dorsal night splint. You won't have to tape forever. You just have to tape until you restore the normal forces acting through the lower body system. Do you still wear the night splint? I do not. I don't know. I have never dealt with plantar fasciitis. Oh, okay. So what do your uh, ankles do? Mine go down like you're talking. Mine go down, but, but see, I don't lock my knees when I stand. Oh, and I'm not one of those people who tends to be excessively tight. So, uh, this is the comment, especially guys, as we get older, we get tighter. And so this is at, well, women too, but men especially become especially tight. So, uh, as we get older, these systems start to tighten up more and more. And so plantar fasciitis will develop as people get older as well, for that reason as well. So not everyone needs to wear a dorsal nice splint. It's only for if you have plantar fasciitis. By the way, this also works well for heel spurs or Morton's neuromas too, because those things are, are formed due to these excessive forces acting through the foot and ankle as well. Yeah. Isn't your, cause your calf turns into your Achilles tendon, which turns into your plantar fascia. Isn't it all Correct. connected as one piece and people You're don't really realize right. that. Yeah. 
fascially, it's all one system. Is that why people get calf cramps when they're sleeping? Because it's constantly yes. in the plantar flex position? So a cramp typically happens when a muscle is put into a shortened position and then asked to contract. So the people who are getting calf cramps, their, their, their calf and solus is already in a shortened position. And then they add the component of actual contraction on top of that. So it's not just passively shortened. There's an active contraction there too. If you're a person who gets lots of calf and solus cramping at night, well, this is then telling you why you're having plantar fasciitis because you're actively contracting your calf and soleus muscles while you're sleeping. So the dorsal night splint will break you of this habit. This, this is all making sense to me. I just, it's kind of weird that I never thought about this before. Well, see, Mike, this is what I get. Like I've trained many therapists at my clinic and this is when I talk to all of my patients, they're just like, just like what you said, this makes perfect sense to me. No one's ever really explained it to me like this before. And this is because we're not taught to think this way. But when you do think this way, it makes perfect sense which always perplexes me why no one else has but come up with this before. <laughs> so it's not like I'm some genius. I guess I've just been more patient with trying to unravel all this than most people. And that's why I created my online training program for health and wellness practitioners too, because it is so much simpler to solve pain thinking this way. So which one of your books should someone look at if they have plantar fasciitis? Yeah. So uh, I have a foot and ankle pain book, uh, but my, but that doesn't, hasn't included the observations I've made in my clinic these last 10 years. So I would recommend the foot and ankle home program, which has the taping techniques, by the way, the book doesn't have the taping techniques okay. uh, for the foot and ankle. So the home program has the taping techniques at, you know, in the members area, you'll have the link to the dorsal night splint that you can purchase from Amazon if you want to. And then I, I show a, a technique to help you learn how to unlock your knees during the day while you're standing and walking, which, I mean, I had one person, her plantar fasciitis reduced by 75% in three days. And she had had it for months just by getting her to unlock her knees in three days. It reduced 75%. I I'm a knee locker. Yes. Bobby yells at me sometimes. <laughs> a lot of people are. It's subconscious. Yeah. I don't, th when I, when I notice it, I change it. But yeah. when I, yeah, it's, I was, well, you bring up you know. a really good point, Mike is, is that, a lot of these movement errors that we have are subconscious. They're unconscious. But the problem is, is that they are a naturally occurring unconscious pattern. So our brain doesn't know to change them. And so if you don't know that what you're doing naturally is wrong, why would you ever try to change it? Right? Because yeah, you your brain doesn't it. know that that unconscious habit is causing you pain. Only your body knows. And your body hasn't, and brain haven't made that connection yet. And that's what my programs do is help you make these connections so that you understand, oh, when I do this, it hurts. And when I do this, it feels better. Now I get, I need to do this. It, do it like this from now on. And that's, if you can do it like this from now on, that pain will never come back again. Sure. And we'll link for people listening or watching, we'll link everything in the description if you want to find your online programs or books, or if they can, you still treat some people, right? Um, online? Yeah. So I sold my clinic back in April of this year. So I'm under a uh, non-compete clause right now uh, for several years, but I, I, I help people via telehealth. Uh, I can do that, but I, I can't, I can't see people 
physically. <laughs> sure. Make, makes sense. Yeah. But as you can see, I don't, I get great success even not seeing people physically because all of this stuff is, I can just see what's going wrong. I can, you know, I have these tests that, that show what's wrong and what isn't and so forth. But really I, I haven't designed this so that you need to see me. I designed my whole program. So you don't need to see me because I've put literally everything in there that you could possibly need to solve your pain. Right. Is there anything else you want to add about plantar fasciitis? Uh, just like everything else, uh, you can solve this. this. I don't care how many practitioners, shots, or procedures you've had to try and solve this thing. You just have not had the right information. I, I can almost guarantee, I mean, I can't remember a plantar fasciitis case I haven't solved. It's, it's just, once you understand how this all works, it just becomes more, e more simple to solve. You can do this. All right, next topic, we're going to talk about neck pain. So what are some common neck pain exercises you prescribe for your patients? Okay, this this is a really funny one because uh, I was looking, so I wrote these Fixing You books, and one of them is on neck pain and headaches. And I looked at this one woman's review. She was really happy. It solved all of her neck pain and headaches. And, and her review said, this works because it doesn't have any neck pain exercises at all. <laughs> None. None at all. <laughs> all in caps and exclamation points. And that's exactly right. Uh, a lot of people have, have seen a lot of practitioners for their neck pain and headaches. And their practitioners have consistently been looking at their neck and head. But that is not where the problem is. And if you have chronic neck pain and headaches, you can confirm this. Really, what, what the problem is, is our shoulder blades. And so there are significant muscular attachments from the shoulder blade into the neck and the head. But because of our component training as medical professionals, we think that neck pain must have something to do with the neck or the headaches must have something to do with the neck or head. Hardly anyone has ever looked at the shoulder girdle system as the cause of neck pain and headaches. And I just want to kind of sh bring this around for you. So there's only, if you look at the skeleton, all, there's a whole bunch of long bones like this. But there's only two places where wide bones happen like at the pelvis. We all know that the pelvis is the center of function for our lower body and back system. The, similarly, the shoulder blade is the only other place in the body that has a broad bone. It is the foundation of all of our upper extremity system network, including the neck and head. So this is where the source of almost all problems are. So the most common problem that's occurring with shoulder blades that affects the neck and chronic head headaches, and I'm talking migraines too, is that the shoulders are resting too low. This is happening for a variety of reasons I won't go into, but just trust me that this is the most common dysfunction that's happening here. And so there, there are muscles connecting from the shoulder blade into the neck and the head. And so when the shoulder blades are resting too low, these muscles that go up have to work harder. And this is where neck pain and, and chronic headaches come from, all right? So here's the easiest way to solve this. And you don't need, I'm not, I mean, you don't even have to do an exercise to solve this. When you go to the most common reason, one of the reasons that this is happening is because of how we're sitting at work. Most people are sitting and working on a computer during the day. Many people don't have arms on their chairs. And those people who do have arms on the chairs, the arms are resting way out here away from their body and are useless because the elbow has to come way out in order for them to rest on that. So you, what you need to do is bring the arm of the chair into the body so that the elbow is resting about an inch higher than normal. 
which is going to push the whole shoulder blade up, which then puts all of these connections into your neck from the shoulder blade on slack. And you, you won't believe how much better your neck pain and headaches will feel with just a day or two of doing this, even just a half hour of doing this, you'll know that it's the right thing. So the thing is, is that a lot of people's chairs don't, the arms can't come in close enough to the body to make this happen. So my quick and dirty solution for this is to bring a couple pillows from home, just regular sleeping pillows, fold them in half and put them between your waist and the arm of your chair. Usually those will rest somewhere higher than the arm of your chair does naturally. And you'll have a broader surface to, and cushier surface to rest your elbow on. And you want your elbow again, close to your body. And you want your elbow at the midpoint of your rib cage. So when your elbow is here, you can see where this hand is on the skeleton. That's exactly where your keyboard should be. So if I'm setting up my computer so that my arm is resting at the seam of my shirt here, and it's my shoulders resting a half inch higher, Wherever my hand is here is where my keyboard should be. Most people will, will find that their keyboards are further forward, uh, which means that the, the further forward that is, the more I have to activate my neck and shoulder muscles to hold my shoulder up. You can test this yourself just by going to work and trying this out. And you'll notice that your neck doesn't feel nearly as supported when your keyboard is away from you as it is when it's near you. So just making this one change to your workstation will probably solve almost all of your neck pain and headaches in terms of the pain occurring. You know, there are, of course, things that we can do to fix the shoulder girdle system. But to get you out of pain as quickly as possible, this would be the number one recommendation I'd make. Now, a lot of people use mouse, mouses too, mice, uh, when they're working, especially people who work on spreadsheets and things like that. And usually that mouse is way far away from them. So if you're a big mouse user, what I also have people do is, hey, let's bring that mouse in close to the body where my arm is resting at the seam of my shirt and my hand is near me. And then let's scoot that keyboard over just a little bit to the left if you're right-handed. And so, uh, and then put my mouse closer to the center of my body since I'm using it a lot. This, I saw one guy's 20 years of neck pain just by getting him to change where his mouse position was for all of these systems reasons that we're talking about. So that would be my biggest thing. I can give you an exercise that will solve it too, but this is the biggest change that you can make that will take it away almost immediately. Do you have any exercises besides that big recommendation? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, uh, so if you think about the shoulder blades resting too low, what we need to do in part is stretch the muscles that are pulling the shoulder blades too low, all right? So the easiest exercise to do that, uh, if any of you are familiar with child's pose, you get on your hands and knees and you sit back on your heels and your arms are up overhead like this on the floor, you will feel a big stretch in the armpit area when you're doing that child's pose stretch. And that is you stretching the, the shoulder blade depressors. And to take it a step further, when you're in that position, you can walk the hands over to one side and the other to get an even bigger stretch in those scapular depressors. So that is, uh, that is one really simple exercise to, to stretch out the muscles that are pulling the shoulder blades down. If, so, if someone can't get to the floor, can they go like above head and then do it? 
Yeah. So what I also have them do, if you can't get to the floor, you can do this just by holding on to a doorknob. Oh. Open a door, hold each doorknob, and just lean back and get down there as deep as you can, and you'll feel that big stretch happening through that whole area. Oh, yeah. Really easy. Uh, you know, a railing, a doorknob, you know, it's, it's really easy to do anywhere. You can do it sitting at your desk, too. If you're sitting at your desk, just sl- drop your head and chest down to the desk, slide your arms forward, and you'll feel the stretch in your shoulders right there. Sure. So really easy. Or countertop too, probably. I countertop, suppose. any any number of ways to do this. Yeah. All right. Any other tips or tricks for neck pain? Yeah. So, I mean, that should probably at least, if you're unsure whether this systems approach will help you, that would be a great way to test it. Uh, and this is how immediate it is. I, what I'll have people do, I have this little test I developed called the armpit test. And basically what I do is to test whether the neck pain or headaches is coming from the shoulder girdle system. I stand behind the patient. So here's the patient. I stand behind them and I, I have them first move their head around up and down and so forth to, to test their neck pain, range of motion, all that kind of stuff. Then I put my hands underneath their armpits like this and lift the shoulder blades about an inch higher. Now the patient has to relax their shoulder blades into my hands. They have to let me hold that. And so what I'll do is I'll jiggle my hands around just to get them to really relax that. After about 30 seconds of me holding those shoulder blades up there, I asked the person, now go ahead and move your head around again and see how that feels. Almost every single time, people are just like, I can't believe how good this feels. Can you follow me around like this for the rest of the day? And the reason is, once again, I'm unloading the shoulder girdle connections to the neck and the head by lifting up the shoulder blades. Now, there's a small percentage of people who will say, I don't feel any difference. These are the people that tend to have a harder time relaxing their shoulders to allow me to hold it. So what I then do is I lower the system back down. And once I lower that back down, then they get it. They're just like, oh, my God, I feel that on my neck right immediately. So sometimes your response will be delayed. And you'll have to have that person lower that back down to, to really get the, the true result. But anyway, uh, that would be my recommendation. If you're not sure whether what information I have is helpful for you, there's the definitive test. All right. But putting those pillows and changing your ergonomic setup at work, if you do that for a few days and your neck pain starts to go away and your headaches, it's, con- it's confirmation that your shoulder girdle system is not working correctly. And that's what my program helps you solve. Uh, So you offer this in book form, like you said, but then you also have a program on your website for this as well. Again, I've created a a downloadable home program that's much more specific. And again, it also has the taping techniques I have to solve these problems so quickly. So I use tape as a bridge to function. So when I tape like a foot or a shoulder blade or some other area of the body, it's so that we can see very rapidly what if everything was working perfectly, what that would feel like. And invariably, people never want to take off the tape because it almost completely takes their pain away. So then our next, all the other things are to get the body to do this itself. And so as the body, you know, as we correct the tight or weak muscles or whatever, or the movement habits or whatever, we start weaning people from the tape. Uh, So then they don't need it anymore. 
But the tape is a beautiful bridge to show people just what their bodies will feel like if everything was working perfectly. And my, my books don't have those taping techniques, but the downloadable home program programs do. And I even, especially in the neck pain and headaches one, I have a maneuver that I do with the shoulder blade to loosen it up from the, sh from the uh, trunk to, so that it will restore normal movement of the shoulder blade. And that's, that's in the extra help session. All of my programs have extra, an extra help session section uh, that has the taping techniques, but also it has exercises that you can take to your practitioner, ask them to do this for you to help you solve your pain. So it goes, uh, I, I go into basically everything, but it is very simple. All right. So where could people find more information about you, your programs, and you want to talk about your new book as well? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you go to rickolderman.com you, and you, there's a little tab there that says products, you'll see all of my books, but you'll see all of my home programs. And you'll see I've created an online practitioner training course to teach practitioners this way of solving pain. For physical therapists, in most states, you get 30 CEU units, which is huge uh, to when you complete the course. But frankly, I believe that this information should be known by personal trainers, Pilates, yoga instructors, because those are the people that see people with pain first before they ever come to someone like me. It's way down the road when they come to, to me. So I'd rather them nip this in the bud by understanding how it is that we really do move. So if you do buy any of my products, uh, the home programs or the online course, if you type in fixing, oh, I'm sorry, Bob and Brad, I think it is, is your code. So if you type in Bob and Brad, all one word, you get 20% off of that product. Yeah, I can link it down below. And for practitioners, Bob and Brad are doing your CEUs. So they're yes. uh, very interested in this and want to preach it more. Yeah, it, it works. And this is the resounding, the, the way this online training program works is the same system I've used to train my therapists over these past 10 years. And I've been honing it throughout those years to make it more specific and easier and faster to implement with your own patients. Sure. It's, it's really effective. So what's your new book called that's coming out? Oh, yeah. So I've got a new book coming out called Solving the Pain Puzzle. And those are cases from my 25 years of practice as a physical therapist. And basically I wrote that because I wrote my Fixing You series of books about 10 or 12 years ago. And I've talked to, I've had lots of Zoom sessions with people uh, and talked to lots of people who have read the books. And they're just like, I love these books. And especially I have these little client connection paragraphs in there where I talk about how this principle solved this person's pain. So I decided to turn it on its head and make this uh, solving the pain puzzle about the patients instead of, of the mechanics of the pain. There's a little bit about the anatomy and physiology in there, but I use their, their stories. Their stories are front and center, and I use those to help people understand how the systems approach can help them. And so I have cases from you know the foot to the head uh, solving pain. And so to give you an idea of how different this approach is, and how powerful it is, as opposed to the standard types of work that you've been used to receiving. Are there any other things you would like to mention? Yeah, if you want to pre-order that book, that's also on rickolderman.com. And actually, I've got a few chapters from the book. If you want to read them or listen to them, I've made an audio version of them. 
you can just go to that website and listen or read them and pre-order my book there. It should be coming out sometime in 2023. And our listeners, if you like Rick, we're going to do another podcast kind of talking about the book more soon. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it.